0: Thank you so much, Daryl. Before we begin this morning and get into the passage of Scripture, I want to reiterate what Pastor Chad mentioned earlier, and that is, next weekend is an important weekend for us as a church family, with uh, our candidate for the Associate Pastor of Youth position coming, Dan Du Bois, and his wife, Sarah. And we're going to trust that all of you will be in much prayer this week. Praying not only for wisdom for us as a church, but also for them. Um, I'm sure they're uh, both excited and nervous uh, about this opportunity. And we just pray that it is a, a good day together. Well, we are working our way through the Gospel of John and this morning we move to chapter 6, John chapter 6, the gospel of John chapter 6 and verses 1 through 15. And not only are we moving forward in our study of the gospel of John, but we are also preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning for our communion time. If you have a Bible with you, um, and I know that there are many of you who are watching by live stream. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't happen to have a Bible in your home, that's okay. I will be reading most of the passages and, and Scripture references for you, so you'll be easily be able to follow along. But we are looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and verses 1 through 15. And this is what we read. Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, if you have grown up in church or had the privilege when you were young of growing up in Sunday school. This is most likely one of the first accounts that you ever had taught to you. For this account, which is traditionally known as the feeding of the 5,000, is taught in even the youngest grades to the youngest children in churches and Sunday school classes. Many of you are very familiar with this, and my prayer is that you will not be over-familiar with this, and get nothing out of it, I pray that the Holy Spirit, by his illuminating work, will illuminate our hearts, all of our hearts and minds, to learn from this, to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, by this miracle that Jesus does. Well, our first point this morning is the crowd and the disciples. After Jesus' confrontation with the Jewish religious leaders... He goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and a large crowd follows him. We just finished up John chapter 5. We actually spent quite a few weeks there. I shared with you before that John chapter 5 is considered one of the most difficult chapters in the New Testament, and yet one of the most important chapters in the New Testament, because of Jesus' bold claims to deity. He claims that God is his father. He claims that he is equal with God. Jesus claims that he is God, a very God. Bold claims. And then right after that, we have this account of the feeding of the 5,000. In verse 1, it says, After this, after his confrontation with the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, this was the Sea of Galilee, but the Sea of Galilee, if we put together Old and New Testaments, actually was known by a number of different names. One of them was the Sea of Tiberias. In the year AD 22, Herod Antipas, who, when he was ruling in Jerusalem, took one of the cities along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and named it in honor of of the ruling Roman emperor at the time, Tiberius Caesar. So that town was called Tiberius, and the Sea of Galilee also became known as the Sea of Tiberius. And the Apostle John, to the readers to whom he is writing, would be familiar with this. So he's saying the Sea of Galilee, which is also known as the Sea of Tiberius. And it says in verse 2, when a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. I really want to emphasize this morning that phrase, a large crowd. As we work through this text this morning, I want you to know that the crowd coming to Jesus wasn't dozens of people. It wasn't hundreds of people. It was thousands. Thousands of people were coming to Jesus. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs, the miracles that he was doing on the sick. Evidently, he had performed a number of miracles on sick people, restoring them, and the crowd wanted to come and see this Jesus, this miracle worker. They wanted to see him, and they wanted to hear him. In, at the end of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 20, it says that Jesus did many signs, many miracles that aren't written in this book. So we know that Jesus did many more miracles than what we have in the Gospel of John, and even more than we have in all four Gospels. Jesus did many miracles that are beyond even what is written. Now in the Gospel of John, this is the fourth miracle. If you remember, in chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. Then in chapter 4, he healed The government official's son, if you remember that, he healed him from a distance. He just spoke the word and the boy was healed. And then in chapter 5, if you remember right at the very beginning of chapter 5, Jesus heals a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. He heals him immediately, instantaneously. And now this is the fourth miracle. But Jesus did many more miracles and evidently he had done some healings that cause this crowd to come to him at this time. In verse 3 it says Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. So he is on a mountainous area with his disciples when this begins to transpire. Now in verse 4, an important verse for us, It says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. I want you to hold on to that this morning because it's going to prove to be very important at the end of our text. It was Passover. That means it was the spring of the year. That means that the grass would have been lush versus later in the summer when it would have turned brown and um, burned off uh, many of the mountainous or hilly areas, so It's the Passover, but even more important than that, even more important that it's the spring of the year, that means that there were many pilgrims who were traveling at this time. Undoubtedly, some of these people were some of those pilgrims. They were going to Jerusalem. There was a nationalistic pride during Passover. They were under the oppressive regime of Rome. They wanted to be freed from Roman oppression. They wanted their own king. They dreamed of that day. And so every Passover, every year, there was a sense of messianic fervor that would cause the people to be very emotional about that. But what I want you to have in your minds, that Jesus is on this hillside with his disciples. And thousands, thousands of people are coming to them. And Jesus uses this opportunity to test the faith of his disciples. He was always testing them, teaching them, molding them, refining them. Everywhere he went, in in whatever he did. And you know he's doing the same thing with me. And he's doing the same thing with you. He's always, in a sense, testing us, training us teaching us, molding us, refining us, and so he is with his disciples. And in verses 5 and 6 we read another it says excuse me, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him Jesus said to Philip, watch this where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And then he says he said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. The sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent God of the universe, Jesus himself, already knew what he was going to do. But he sees this crowd coming. He knows that many of them have come from a distance and that they would be hungry. So he says, Philip, where are we going to buy food for this people? Now remember, we've just come from chapter 5. Jesus has made these great claims about his deity, about being equal with God, about being very God of God. And he wants to see if Philip understands that feeding all these people is no big deal for him. He can do it because, because he is God. But Philip fails the test. Verse 7, Philip answered him. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Oh, master, 200 denarii wouldn't even give everybody just a little bit. Now, a denarii at this time was the common wage given to a Roman soldier or a common day laborer. If you were a common day laborer, an average person, a Roman soldier, this is what you would get is a denarii for your day's work. And Philip said 200 denarii, which according to that calendar they were using at that time would have been approximately eight months wages master if we had eight months wages of bread it would not be enough for each of them even to get a little bit even with eight months wages all of them would only get a very little bit well andrew another one of the disciples fails the test too in verses eight and nine we read one of his disciples andrew simon peter's brother said to him there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? He says, well, there's a boy here and he does have five barley loaves and two fish. Now, five barley loaves and two fish would have been a, an average meal that you would have taken with you when you traveled. They didn't have places to stop and eat, for the most part, unless they were near a town. And so they always brought their own meals with them. And they found one boy who had, these were probably small loaves, five barley loaves, and two fish, probably two pickled fish, that they normally would carry with them for a lunch. Which means the vast majority of the people were evidently so emotional and coming out to see Jesus that they forgot to bring food with them. Because this, at least in their search, was all they could find. But, Andrew says, what's that? For these thousands of people, what is five barley loaves and and two fish? Well, in verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. There was much grass because it was the springtime. So the men sat down. So the men sat down about five thousand in number now as we work through this passage the holy spirit who inspired this text continually emphasizes the impossibility of the situation the holy spirit wants you to be thinking in your mind and heart this is impossible thousands of people are here all they have is five barley loaves and two fish eight months wages would only give everybody just a little bit how in the world How is it possible for anyone to feed this great crowd? It is an impossible situation. The nearest towns were quite a ways away. It was a fairly desolate place. And it seemed humanly, and it was humanly, impossible. Well, that brings us to our second point, and that is the miracle. Jesus performs the most massive miracle of his entire earthly life ministry. Did you know what is known as the feeding of the 5,000? That this miracle is the only miracle recorded in all four gospels besides the resurrection. So of all the miracles that Jesus did, this is the only one that is recorded in all four gospels besides his own resurrection. And it is important as we harmonize the gospels and look at all of those four accounts, they give us A more accurate or a fuller, I should say, picture of what was happening here. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, and verse 21, Matthew writes, And those who ate were about 5,000 men. And then he adds this, besides women and children. So there were not just 5,000 men there, there were also women and children. Now, if there were an equal number of women, which is very likely, in fact, there may have been more than 5,000 women, if you count wives and single ladies and widows who may have been there, who may have come out. And then if you count children, there would have been at least probably as many as 5,000 children, possibly more because of big families. We don't know for sure, but most writers speculate that the crowd was not just 5,000 it was actually probably more like 10 to 15,000 people some have speculated it could could have been as many as 20,000 or more and we don't know the exact number but what we do know it is a huge crowd again we're not talking about dozens we are not talking about hundreds we are talking about thousands maybe 10 to 15,000 people that Jesus is going to feed here in this great miracle. Mark adds the detail that Jesus had his disciples order the crowd to sit in groups of hundreds and fifties. It was done in a very orderly fashion. It is the highest partition, excuse me, the highest participation miracle that Jesus ever did. This miracle drives liberal theologians crazy. How could he have, possibly done anything like this it must be a myth it must just simply be some kind of fantasy story to teach us a lesson but it cannot be denied it cannot be debated because of the sheer number of eyewitnesses that were there that saw this happen 10 15,000 or more people saw this happen and you have to believe that in the years to come the years after that that they told us to their children and to their grandchildren for generations about the great miracle that Jesus of Nazareth performed on the hillside. How he fed all of these people. In verse 11, it says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, no notice... As much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. Folks, he multiplied the loaves and the fish and they were stuffed. They had as much as they could possibly eat. Eight months wages, everybody gets just a little bit. Oh, they didn't get just a little bit. They got all that they could possibly eat. An incredible, amazing miracle. I don't care how many times you've heard this. Don't miss how great this is. With childlike faith, let it just boggle your mind this morning. Verses 12 and 13. And when they had eaten their fill. Do you see that? And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When they had eaten their fill, when they'd eaten everything they could possibly eat, then there's 12 baskets full of bread Left over. They picked up the fragments and filled up 12 baskets. Left over. Some have speculated that maybe the 12 baskets were for the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. But we really don't know that. That's just speculation. It simply means there are a lot left over. Man, they had all they could eat. And all this left over. I want you to think with me this morning. This was no sleight of hand. Jesus didn't perform a magic trick. It was an open and very public miracle. And I also want you to notice there was no fanfare, no lightning, no thunder. Jesus very quietly, probably through his disciples, passes out the loaves and the fish to everyone there. Very quietly, he performs this great miracle. And most likely, it was the best loaves and fish they had ever eaten because they came directly from the hand of God. Again, they probably told people for generations of the amazing meal that God had provided for them. So, we have this great miracle. And then John, the Apostle John, unlike the other gospel writers, adds something. Add something important. I want you to remember verse four. Verse four says, Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Remember I said, Hold on to that, because in verses fourteen and fifteen, the apostle John adds this When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world, exclamation mark. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again. To the mountain by himself. Remember there is this nationalistic pride. It's Passover. They want their own king. They want to be released from Roman oppression. This must be the prophet. They want to come by force. And make Jesus their king. But Jesus slips away. As he often did. Why? Well we do know that Jesus is the king of kings. And lord of lords. But when he comes the first time. He did not come to be a king. He came to be a suffering servant. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He was about the Father's work. He was one with the Father. He worked in harmony with the Father and he needed to fulfill the task that the Father had given him. Well, as we bring this to a conclusion, I want you to remember something with me this morning. Remember that this great miracle immediately follows Jesus' bold claims about his deity found in chapter 5. I mentioned that earlier, and it's very important. He talks about the fact that he is God, and then comes the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 15,000, however many were there. Now, Chronologically, in time sequence, there was probably a gap between the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. It may have been anywhere from 4 to 6 months or longer between the end of 5 and the beginning of 6. However, the Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants you to see these two chapters, these two events right next to each other. He purposely writes them together so that we go from the bold claim of Jesus being God to the feeding of the ten to 15,000 or more people. Why? To remind us of this. Jesus did not perform miracles just to perform miracles. He performed miracles because they are the evidence that he is who he claims to be. His miracles are the validation. They are the evidence that he is exactly who he claims to be. His miracles set the stage for his message, especially his message of eternal life. Don't miss it this morning. Jesus is God walking the earth. He is God in the flesh. He is God walking among men. How can someone feed Ten to 15,000 or more people with five barley loaves and two fish because he's God. Because he's God walking among people. And God has come. God has come to bring eternal life to those who believe. And with that thought in mind, we are going to share the Lord's Supper together this morning. And since this is only the second time We've shared communion together since the coronavirus. I want to go over again just some brief instructions with you. One deacon will lead us in prayer for both the bread and the cup. The deacons will come to you. They will hand out the bread and cup together in a stacked, two stacked cups. For those of you who are concerned, the bread is gluten-free. And then when everyone has been served... I will read a passage of scripture and then we will eat and drink together. Now for this service I want to add one other note, knowing that we have many who are watching by live stream. For those of you who are watching on your computers or televisions while the deacons are serving communion, we will encourage you to use this as a time of meditation and reflection. There will be music and a picture for you to focus on while the deacons are serving communion. Well, at this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.